You don't know what you're doing. We don't even know what your name is. Has he been sacked already? Oh, Tottingham. New yes? More like new no, Tom. It's the week in the Tackle Podcast. I'm Tom Rennie, legendary lover of the 90s. Alongside me is the sixth silent member of the Backstreet Boys, Brian Dunseth and Dunny. Wow. Okay. We had so much prepared for this program, by which I mean nothing. But the great news is, as we record the program, we're a little bit later than usual because my mother didn't turn up to look after the baby, lazy woman. Um, Nuno, sacked. Sack, sack, sack. Gone. We got the rumours on Saturday night. And I was doing the game, as you know, on Sirius XM FC, yeah. Tottenham Man U. The game was so awful. They were so tragically bad that you felt something was going to happen. You felt like something was going to happen. All the top reporters saying on Sunday, serious discussion, he's more likely to go than to stay. They're sorting out a settlement. Antonio Conte straight out of the wiggery where he goes to every Sunday to get it realigned. (laughs) And it looks like he's going to be coming in. So when people hear this, that might have happened already. As we record, it's not. So we'll take it as we expect as we record the show. Hmm. Um, but let's get some reaction first and foremost to this big news on Monday morning that Nuno, <sighs> who was the man appointed after a three-month search after the inexplicable sacking of Jose Mourinho, he essentially is a little version of Mourinho, which is like a crap supermarket. So we go Tesco, top tier, Sainsbury's, probably joint top, Asda, pushing up there, not Aldi. They've gone up, but your Lidl's useless. Your spas, disgusting. Your Iceland's frozen garbage. That's a little guide through what supermarkets are in England. Feel free to <laughs> Americanize at will. Um, but they brought in this Lidl Mourinho and they played worse football than Mourinho, like a Mourinho, but off brand. Um, and they've sacked him after four months. So essentially, seven months after Mourinho's gone, they've suddenly decided we should maybe try and hire someone good. Yeah. What's going on? Oh, harsh, but no real surprise, right? Um, But this is the crazy part. The man who was probably the sixth, seventh, eighth, ninth, tenth, whatever best choice uh, that had what I guess Daniel Levy was saying, the Spurs DNA, the moment that he was announced the manager of uh, Tottenham, the win against Man City, the consecutive three wins afterwards, the manager of the month, in August and two months later sacked after Ole Gunnar Solskjaer and Manchester United, the heat of the conversation of Antonio Conte going to Manchester United, Ole pulls off another one. And I was trying to make this a Man United thing, but this is a Man United thing because the 3-0 no, win. No, no, <laughs> because no, no. the 3-0 win. Your obsession, United, your obsession needs to end. This is not about sudden- Manchester United. <laughs> Because Ole Gunnar Solskjaer is still at the wheel. And and the genius It doesn't of this, matter. It doesn't it does, matter. This is does, not about Manchester Cristiano United. Because Cristiano Ronaldo, the moment that that no, ball you're comes still doing it. over Ben Davies' You're still head, doing it. It's not about Manchester United. Side net, and Cristiano Ronaldo goes, I will not play wing back for Antonio Conte. Goal! 
I mean, so, I can't. I can't believe you're still doing it. This is not about <laughs> Manchester United. This is about a run of games where Tottenham have played oh, ten games in the Premier League and lost yeah. five of them. Mm. They lost to Vitesse Arnhem in the Conference League. Correct. Harry Kane looks like he is utterly miserable. He looks a bit like Colin Firth when he comes home in Love Actually and but finds out he, his wife's banging his brother. That's how he miserable he looks at the so? moment. But hasn't he looked like this for three years? No, because he was oh. also banging goals in as well oh. as Jamie banging Colin Firth's wife. I remember the character's name. Not it the, was Jamie. It was. So here, here's my question. I threw this tweet out. And, and this was after the result. At what point is it on the players? It's been two managers now that this group of players have, haven't have turned up. Well, that, do we say Ryan the, Mason as well? We could probably put well, him in there, that's right? That's true. Yeah, well, much Ryan, for Ryan. Yeah, Ryan, Ryan's going to be there uh, at the weekend, right? Well, what, how many, what is, who does Ryan... Uh, They've got away at Everton, right? Is that the final well, one? Well, maybe. It, it won't be. I mean, as we talk, we're expecting Conte to be in. Yeah. Like, we're expecting it done. You know, Romano and all the right people are saying it is a done deal. Antonio Conte, who, if you believe some, turned it down. If you believe others, um, wasn't given enough money. And so it wasn't a, a reality. There was no offer, whatever. Mm-hmm. Whatever way you slice it, they wanted him. They didn't get him. Three months later, they decided, actually, we should have got him yeah. and have done it. I mean, and it, it cost us five what, million. It cost what we're always five. talking about, I mean, we're always talking about this when it comes to football yeah. executives. They play with house money, right? Yeah. Yeah. Almost no one at this point is putting in their own money unless they're sovereign wealth money and they don't know the value of a dollar, the sovereign wealth people, right? And the oligarchs and all that sort of stuff. Maybe the oligarchs when they were younger. I look forward to the Abramovich story being on Hallmark very soon. Uh, is that still a channel? Do they show it in Tesco? Yeah. I don't know. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. Hallmark, yeah. But the, the thing is with it is that football executives don't know what they're doing. And here's an example of them not knowing what they're doing. They sacked a bloke to, who they hired to win a cup final or just got to the cup final and they narrowly lost that cup final having just sacked him. They brought in a bloke who wasn't a manager, but everyone liked him, so got to the end of the season, but didn't achieve their minimal goal, which was Europa League qualification. They then brought in a bloke who was the 15th choice to get the job, but we knew he wasn't going to be an aggressive attacking, pressing manager because he's not new. We've Mm. known Nuno for four or five years in this country and he's been a coach for longer. And then after a few months, they sack him because money doesn't matter. And now all of a sudden, all the money they didn't have for Nuno a few months ago is going to apparently go on Antonio Conte. But why would it have not gone three months ago? What, 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 explain the thought process to me well, that I, they couldn't afford him then but can afford yeah. him now. I, I, Tom, I don't know if there is a thought process that makes sense on something like this because Enoch and Daniel Levy have swung and missed on two different occasions. And, and here's the other part of this that I think that, that goes under the, the radar in terms of the conversation. For Fabrizio Paratici coming in in the summer, where, 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 what's he doing? He, that, that, see, that's my question. What does this look like? We know what Enoch looks like. We know what Daniel Levy looks like. We're not really sure what Paratici looks like, except the fact that he and somebody else are standing or sitting behind the bench, which is so odd visually in the Premier League um, and shouting out words and saying things on the side and, you know, MFing players left and right when they don't make the right pass, all that. So for Nuno Espirito Santo and his staff, that had to be odd. Not that they hadn't ever necessarily experienced it but the fact that it's happening in the premier league so for paratici is it about the system is it about the structure is it about the players and to your point now what you're out five million for the payoff for nuno and his staff 
you're gonna you're 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 absolutely bending to whatever the financial demands are because now you're going back to Antonio Conte and you're saying, hey, remember when we said make maybe eight million a year? We'll give you fifteen. We'll give you a guaranteed three, maybe a fourth on the backside, and we are going to spend what, hundred and fifty million in January? Have to. I, I mean, by the way, they're not that far off. Oh, I don't know about no, that. no, no. Sorry, 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 off. sorry. They're not that far off in the Premier League table. If they oh, would have won, yeah, okay. there was the potential they would have been a top four team, depending on how other results went. Yeah, they the would have. They would have been on eighteen points. They would have been above Man United at the time. They would have gone above West Ham, who yeah. didn't play the next day. So they would have been fifth going into going so into not, this weekend. So I agree with you. And the and and what I've told you, and I tell every Spurs fan, my man Hadley, Gabe, whoever, Conference League worst decision you could have possibly ever had you should have avoided it because oh danny i disagree with so much you're saying today the worst, no the worst unnecessary tournament in the history of man brilliant Built- tournament they can win it brilliant tournament they yeah, can actually can they can win it they should win it with ease i could tell but they've been i mean this is this is the, this is the argument right they've been poorly coached because the way they they literally changed 11 players between Vitesse Arnhem and West Ham. There is so much dead wood at Tottenham Hotspur right now. Send in a group of beavers, they could build a dam in North London with the amount of dead wood there is there, right? And they sent all the dead wood to Vitesse Arnhem. Of course they lost. Yeah. Of course they lost. I think at the moment, Deli Alley would lose every single game of paper, scissors, stone that he played. He, is that he, rock, he, scissors, paper? Yes, so, sort of like that. It's the Essex version. It backwards. It's weird. We say it properly, like we spell things properly. Uh, we had the first empire, bruv. Just because you yours is say- finished now. What is it in Chinese? You don't what, know, do you? What do you guys um, do? Rock, paper, scissors, shoot. What do you guys shoot? How do you guys say it? We don't do anything. We just do the one, two, three show. Because uh, I'm learning. This is fun. Uh, back to the main point, which was, look, I, I, I think that Nuno, following the game, I was doing the game, and they obviously had to. He, he, it wasn't fit, right? It wasn't a good fit. Um, but he sent that second team out to Vitesse and you could tell, I watched the game with the Tottenham fan, and was like, this is terrible. Hmm. Like they couldn't, But they couldn't get rid of the Deadwood, right? So Nuno is the wrong man, fine. But they couldn't get anyone else within the price structure they had in July, so he came in, fine. Uh, he was manager of the month in August, by the way, and they beat Man City in the game I was at. That wasn't too long ago. The clocks have just changed. It wasn't 10 years ago, right? Um, but they, they obviously weren't buying into it. But the squad is poor. This is why I balked a bit. I know you didn't actually say what I thought you said when you said they aren't far off. Um, but they're a long way off. They're yeah. miles off it. And I'm going, I'd go player for player. Hugo Lloris, doubts about him for a long time. Yeah. Uh, I can't see how he's still France number one. The, the rest of the goalkeepers there must be must be quite poor. Um, so Reguilon, good cross of the ball. Not sure he's a good defender. Eric Dyer at centre-half. Please, give me a break. Um, Davinson Sanchez, I, I think Romero's okay, but he looks like he lo- he looks like Thomas Repka, if you remember him. Kick first, ask questions later. Um, right back, you know, I, I can't see anyone. They've Emerson. actually got a great Davis, um, Emerson Royal, Ben Davis, Jeff Tanganga. So them all play there. No good. Oliver Skip, championship player. Tango and Dombele, flick him when he goes down with a broken leg. Harry Winks, no idea. Hoybia, yeah, okay, gets up and down a bit. Harry Kane, looks like his wife just left him. Hung uh, Min Son, okay, class, you can have him. And Mora and Bergwijn, which one's Mora, which one's Bergwijn? Absolutely no idea. <laughs> and we could keep going through these players. Deli Alley, what happened to him? You know, the squad is poor. They've been managed awfully for a long, long time. Uh... And they brought in a guy on a terrible contract after... F- 
publicly outing the fact they didn't actually want him. And after four months of that going badly, would you believe it? They've sacked him. And maybe they'll bring Conte in and they probably will. And that's a fantastic hire. And I think he will change things almost immediately. However, the people who do the hiring and firing, this should be their last appointment. It should be, sorry for what we've done. We relinquish control now. I resign or I don't want to be actively participant in the running, uh, the running of the club now, Daniel Levy, because we are useless. But here's the thing. They're never boring. Uh, rubbish, maybe right now, not boring. And, and on top of that, the craziest part is this once again insulates the decision makers. Yeah. It, it doesn't call them to question. It insulates them. Because what is going to be now? It is going to be absolute must-watch television. Antonio Conte, in the last three weeks, has been the main candidate for Newcastle United following the takeover, has been the main candidate to replace Ole Gunnar Solskjaer should he leave at Manchester United or should he be sacked at Manchester United, and now becomes the guy who literally writes his own price. He's yeah. he's give, been given a blank check. A blank check. So what does that do? It puts all the pressure on him to get the best out of the squad. By the way, I, I, when with with due respect to your West Ham, I can't get behind the second team conversation with Vitesse because if West Ham can go to Manchester United in the second team and beat Manchester United, if West Ham can then beat Man City, uh, even through penalties in the cup, I I, I no, but can't. they kept a core. That's they kept a core. They kept yeah, five I, or six players. Tottenham changed everybody. I, I get it. It was I a team of full strangers. Whereas West Ham are like, well, we'll keep the central I, midfielder. I we'll keep this guy, and we'll keep the core of the team together, but, and we we'll change the rest. Like, listen, I, I get that they're rubbish, but when you say Deli Ali, when you say Harry Winks, when you say Ndombele, when you say, or excuse me, not Ndombele, when you say Sissoko, when you see uh, Lo Celso, if you say uh, Bergwijn, or you say Lucas Mora, Ben Davies, all of these guys, ha- yeah. if, if the starting 11 comes out at any point, we're like, oh, okay, that makes sense because there's name equity with these guys. Again, I go back to what I tweeted yesterday, and I got so much stick, so much stick from Spurs supporters. Oh, what about Levy? What about Enoch? Oh, what about these guys? I'm like, what about the players? Yeah. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not trying to be flippant. At what point we always do this? I was saying to you, and I and I'm referencing it. I'm not, I'm not using it. What about the players for Man mm. United? What about the players underneath Ole? At what point do these players, does Harry Kane, uh, Sonny, uh, any of these guys come together and say, like, sorry, Tim, f- this. We play for us. Well, I think they did that on Saturday at 5.30 UK time, apart from the second bit. They literally just went, are we playing? this. Did we? What's it? What is it? No. I I think they played played like a set of players that knew the manager was getting sacked. Yeah. That's what they played like. It was a body language. I agree. The moment- 2-0 in the game, the the aimless, pointless passing left to right, which happens in football, but it wasn't like they were trying to pull Man United left and right. It was like, well, how long to go? 25 minutes. If we don't run that much now, I could probably get in the cab without having to shower. Yeah. You know, this is what they were thinking. It was yeah. it was atrocious. It was appalling. Uh, anyway, look, uh, we've got to move on to some other bits, but I do want to ask you a couple of quick questions on this. Number one, is this the first El Sakico that actually delivered a sacking? It has to be, right? I can't think of another one. Neither can I. Normally it's, oh, someone's going to get sacked. Nobody does. This actually did. But <laughs> This see, was I... a lose and you're out. This yeah. was a Ric Flair, Shawn Michaels... Your career match, but and cra- Nuno the crazy- took the switch in music. The crazy part is, was yes, it's El Sakiko because of Ole. It was more about Ole than it was about about Nuno coming in. I can't believe you did it again. 
I, I, but it was because these are these were the, it was El Sakiko. You got to reference yeah, both yeah, managers. Yeah. The the fact that this was real, like I had Ricky Sacks on from Last Word on Spurs on on Friday on the show on on Counterattack, and I was like, Ricky, you guys win, you're in fourth position. Like it really can't be El Sakiko, right? And he was like, oh, no, gents, it's and and he had the same. He literally called it the same time uh, last time with Jose Mourinho. I was like, come on, it's Jose. He's got some more equity than that. I don't know, gents. It's really bad around the club. And sure enough, he called it twice. Mm. Twice. So yeah, I, I just I think the it, it is extraordinary that the body language again for these players can be so poor. And I get that you're losing and it, it piles on. This team could have been in fourth position. But they, if were, they I mean, won. They, they were in eighth been... and they got 15 points and they've got five wins in the start of the season, and Harry Kane's not scoring. Uh, it's not been a complete disaster. Like, taken in the hole, uh, on the hole, in the main, in the round, however you want to look at it, this has not been a total disaster. It's not been good, but it certainly hasn't been a disaster. I'm not sure Nuno deserved to get sacked off the back of it. So it must be that Conte will be in by the time people hear this. But my question to you, and feel free to cut this, Tim, if it by the time it goes out, it's nonsense. What if Conte turns him down and takes the Newcastle job? Or takes another job? or decides to get another career, or gives it another few months. What happens if Conte, at the last second, goes, nah? What, what, what if Ed Woodward goes, oh, shit. Oh, again, <laughs> you made it about Man United. Again. Can you imagine? I'm eating like... a sandwich. Sandwich, ketchup, red, <laughs> red devil, Manchester United. That's how you live, isn't it? Conte is off to Tottenham. Ole still at the wheel. Coffee, coffee cup. We used to win the cup. Manchester United. Can't believe you did it. Wheel. Oh, Wheel. by the way, bus. By, Go on. By, by the way, this is if if they pull this off, and again, I'll reference Manchester United. It change it, the the perspective of the fans changes. The media members yeah. change. You bring Conte into Tottenham. You, I don't think you get it right this season but there's a chance that you get it right pretty soon. And I'm not yeah. saying they're like title contenders or they're going to win the league, but my God, just him on the sideline with that, with that Lego helmet on, yeah. he is going to be going nuts, nuts on some of these guys. And I'd be really intrigued to see what the January window looks like for him. Not necessarily who's coming in, but who immediately he's pushing out. Well, I'll tell you what, I mean, everyone, basically everyone who played against Vitesse Arnhem, <laughs> And five or six others won't be there. I mean, they might have to play games with eight players because th there's no way Conte will suffer a lot of these people. Good luck, Tanga and Dombele. Oh, it's a breeze. I've got to go down. Oh, useless. Let's talk a bit about uh, Arsenal because they beat Leicester. It was kind of the other big game going into the weekend we just had in England. And I want to talk about Aaron Ramsdale because I'm always talking on our shows about the Arsenal hype machine. And the Arsenal hype machine is uh, almost a natural phenomena yeah. at this point in history. And Emil Smith-Rowe has a couple of good games. Hey, he's the new Mesut Ozil, original Ozil. He's going to smash this league to bits. Aubameyang scores a few goals. He's better than Ronaldo. He's incredible. Ben White plays and they keep a clean sheet. He's the new Tony Adams. Yeah. Aaron Ramsdale made a save. This weekend, Aaron Ramsdale made several saves, but one save in particular, which was very special. And I don't for a second take away... From Aaron Ramsdale, how special that save was from the Madison free kick. However, within seconds, he's the new England number one. He's the greatest goalkeeper in history. Three weeks ago, 
there was still a debate going on about whether it was Ramsdale or Leno. Three yeah. weeks later, yeah. it's England's number one. He's got to displace Pickford. And it's not just Arsenal fans that do this, because I saw Mark Bosnich and Peter Schmeichel talking about it, right? The way Arsenal are able to convince, maybe because they are the most stylish club, the most fashionable club, I, I, don't, I, I don't know, right? But they just need to stop. They need to stop and stop right now because Aaron Ramsdale is a good goalkeeper. It's not up there with David Seaman. It's not up there with Gordon Banks, this save. It's a good save, but yeah. just calm the f*** down about this <laughs> save. It's good. It's not great. It's, it's absolutely fine. It's exactly what I'd expect. Yeah. And it doesn't, it doesn't get in time up for the rebound, by the way, and gets lucky on it. So let's not go mad. Um, I, I, but the Arsenal I, I, hype machine, and this is why I want to ask you about it. Hold on. Shut up. <laughs> I want to ask you about this, right? Because they hype them so much. All that can happen from that point is the downslope. All that can happen is the complete disintegration of that reputation mm. when they're, the fact they're not a world-class uh, talent comes to the fore, which it will with Ramsdale and Smith Rowe and others, uh, and Saka as well as another one who's gone from, he's got to start every game for England to, should he be in the squad? You know, reality. Yeah. They, uh, what, what's the danger of the overhype? And am I wrong in, in seeing this pattern? Do you see it as well? Am I on the pills yet? No, no, you're not on the pills. By the way, really quick question. Has Daniel Levy ever announced the right manager outside of Mauricio Pochettino? I don't know, but manager? Man thinking, United have managers. I, I wonder what Man United are up to. <laughs> Speaking of Man United, they have a guy named Dean Henderson. We're talking about Aaron Ramsdale and Jordan Pickford. You yeah. talk, so, I, okay, first off about the goalkeeping. I wonder if it's a byproduct in England because while there's a, I guess we're calling it a clear number one with Jordan Pickford, there's no, like, real number one like he doesn't play for man united why is <laughs> why does england's number one not play for man united that's what you're gonna say isn't it why doesn't liverpool believe in english goalkeepers enough to give them an opportunity why don't, a top, why don't a top club why don't a top club have the, the england goalkeeper yeah yeah I mean, why does Pickford have such small arms? Anyways, for Ramsdale, I think it was a phenomenal save. I, I, by the way, if you're Burnt Leno, you're, you, you're so gone in January, yeah, right? Finished. You have to be gone. Uh, good save, good run of form. Hype machine is because there, I think there's something positive at Arsenal. It's so much better than it was maybe six weeks ago. And for Mikel Arteta, there's no more questions about should he stay, should he go, is he the right man for the job? I think he's got the title and the equity at this point. But yeah, I think it, it's it's because it's the Invincibles or what was formerly known as the the artist mm. formerly known as the Invincibles, because that's what we ex we expect Arsenal to be a top four team. We expect Arsenal to have and, and sign some of the biggest players. We expect them to develop, and we expect them to be in Champions League. It's a long cry, a long cry from what Arsene Wenger, his time was at the height of what Arsenal and that machine used to be. I'm going to ask right. you a question machine. about yeah. uh, fan culture, because yeah. I don't know if it's a thing in America. And so I want you to bring me in on this. Yeah. Right? Goalkeeper goes to take a free kick. Fans go, oh, kick. Your shit. Ah. Yeah. Now, this is a chant that the worst football teams do, the kind of clubs who play music after goals. Any team that does that, it's something kids used to do in the 70s, I'm told, which, which occasionally comes back with those same people that are still in grounds. And the new kids seem to love it at some places. Yeah. I noted Leicester did it when I went to the Leicester game. I noted Brentford did it when, when I went to the, the West Ham-Brentford game as well. Proper clubs 
don't do it. Certainly clubs um, that you can respect, don't do it. And I want to respect Leicester. But doing that when they do a goal kick is one of the most pitiful and pathetic things. And there's about 40 goal kicks a game. So you're committing to 40 of these a game. Yeah. Aaron Ramsdale made a good show of it. Does this happen in America? Do you have a variant of this? And what, what's, what's your view? Yeah, on we, we, have, we have a worse variant of it. Um, oh. So we, we, and this is something that you've seen in the CONCACAF region, specifically down in Mexico, uh, while we've had World Cup qualifiers that have played in front of empty stadiums. And Mexico played in front of two empty stadiums at Azteca near the beginning of this qualification round. And it's a word, it's a four-letter word. I don't want to say it. It starts with a P, it ends with an O. And they sit there and go, oh, and then the goalkeeper kicks it and they say the word. So this word, when I was growing up in Southern California, had not, not what's the right way to say this? It did not have as strong of feelings. It was more of kind of like a normalized word that was used yes. inside the game. And in, in Essex, we say the C word a okay. lot. And yeah, you leave yeah. Essex and people yeah. like, it really will ruin a dinner party. Yeah. Uh, but in Essex, you say it when you get your roll from the bakery. Can you use it with a K? It's a good point. Give us a sesame seed bun, you <laughs> That's how we do it in Essex, but with a K. So, yeah, we, we do have a version. It's a worse version. Uh, it's something that here regionally, they're trying to stamp out of the game. Um, and if it is said... We've actually had during the Gold Cup, uh, if it happens, number one, the referee, and there's an announcement, like there's on, you know, where like the VAR board, they would say like yeah. goal check or whatever, there, there would be a warning that would come up. And then if it happens again, the referee would blow the whistle and bring all the players in for like two minutes into the midfield um, to try to curb it. And then if it happens again, the referee now has the opportunity to take the players off the field into the locker room. Oh, really? As like, as like a show of, we're going to call the game off. So I've, I've, I can't remember. But your, your sounds a lot more like a heavy slur as opposed to a lighthearted, sweary, childish jest. Yeah. It, it, well, yeah. And that's the closest that we have now. Right. Don't get me wrong. Like I, there is a, there is a, and Tim can kind of back me on this. There's, there's a super fan culture that I don't really, I, I haven't gotten. I don't like subscribe to because I'm not like in the stands watching. Cause obviously I'm calling games. And I don't go to football games. I don't go to baseball games. I don't really go to basketball games here in the States. It's too expensive. Crazy money. Yeah. I'm not down. Do you know what get invited? When I get free tickets, I'll go. But I'm not spending yeah. 300 bucks to go sit in a stadium. Um, you know, whatever. Anyways. Uh, bounce, bounce, bounce. Hope. Yeah. Oh, they got 500 points. <laughs> blah, 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 blah. The, the, oh, look, another basket. Yeah. You know, we do have, though, we have we we have as close and it, it comes up way short, but we have as close to kind of the the English banter as you can for home supporters that sit behind the opponent's goal. Oh, yeah. And yeah. like whether you have safe standing or you have like the home like fan section during warmups, usually like out, I'll use example out here at Rio Tinto Stadium for Salt Lake. Uh, the Real Salt Lake warms up on the north side of the stadium the opponent were south side the, all of the fans like the hardcore fans the standing fans they're on the south side of the stadium so they are giving it to the goalkeeper <laughs> the or the goalkeepers during warm up i mean crushing them so yeah. that would be the closest that we have to like english banter if you will yeah. of like you know 
going after going after players and, and taking cheap shots and talking about their moms, talking about their sisters, doing all but those that stuff. Seems so like, I mean, they, these are like individual things that like the hardcore fans do to put off the opponent. That's exactly. one thing. Exactly. It's terrible. Just awful. I, yeah. I, I, anyone who does it should get a five point deduction and have to play with three players for the next month or hire Nuno, one or the other. <laughs> Barely quick. Is there like a fine associated with it? Is like anything come down? No, from the no. League or it just, just like... annoys me. Okay, got it. This is a very personal gripe, but it's Understood. our podcast, so I do a one. Duly noted. Let's talk about red cards. There was a few controversial red cards this weekend, um, and there's three worth talking about. Probably should have been four, but we'll maybe get to that one last because two of them are basically identical, but you get different decisions for them. One of them is Johnny Evans on Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang in the Leicester-Arsenal game where Johnny Evans stops Aubameyang turning him by just pulling him to the ground like he's doing a WWE move. Yep. He gets a yellow card. Yep. There's obviously a review. Michael Oliver, who's our lead referee for some reason, the best we can get, I suppose. He's doing <laughs> his best. He's the best you can get. But why? Um, but he only gets a yellow card. In another game, um, Palace win at Man City, I'm Rick yep. Laporte, is yep. holding Wilfred Zahar. Yep. Zahar is through, and it's incredible how almost identical these moments are, and that is given as a straight red card. Also reviewed, yep. but given as a straight red card. They've gone to the same Stockley Park to review it, but it's different people, which I think is a mistake for this reason. So you'd get a consistent judgment if you went to a VAR Zahar, something I pushed for a long time. But tell me why one's a red and one's not. Did they get any of that right? And what should the decisions have been? Yeah, I, I would say that there's still, and, and, I, and I've said this for a while now, Tom, I think we're still operating in a gray area. And as much as we want to talk, I, I'll reference Euros back in the summer. You, you can tell me that through the group stage and through the knockout rounds, all of a sudden, well, we're going to loosen up. If, if a player is, is going to ground, we're going to allow VAR to come in and make the decision and say there's clearly and obviously a mistake being made by the referee, you should have pointed to the spot. Because I think what the problem comes to over and over and over again, as much as we want VAR to be the true arbitrator of decision-making of what truth and fiction is, the reality is that whoever's back in, in, in Stockley Park, I still think there's, there's a, a megalomaniac mentality. Okay, who's the guy in the middle? Does he respect the guy in VAR? Does yeah. VAR respect the guy who's in the middle? And what's kind of the accountability or, or experience factor? Because if you've got Mike Dean, right, in, in Stockley Park, and you've got some young younger-ish referee in the middle, he's going to be like, oh, man, you made a mistake. Go check the monitor, make the decision. Let's rectify it. Whereas you could have a younger referee at VAR with Mike Dean on the field. And he could say, Mike, I, uh, I'm suggesting you go to the monitor. And Mike's like, nah, man, I'm going to stick with my original decision. Mm. I, I just think that's still in play. I, I've, had, I've had multiple conversations with referees currently here in the States, and they will never say it publicly, but they're like, I don't really respect his decision. Like that feel of like, mm, nah, yeah. I'm good, man. I'm going to stick with my... So to your point... Very similar. The only thing I'll say with Laporte, and I, this is why I think it's a red, is where he got spun and the fact that he reached out and tried to take him down, that for me, Wolf was in his head 100%. There was no way to overturn it. But again, I, Tom, I think we're going to be doing this, this water cooler talk. Yeah. It's, it's, it's inevitable because ultimately, how do you tell a referee, last man, 
clearly and obviously you made the mistake. Yeah. Because I mean, I think it's all dog show, right? It's dog show, dog show, dog show. Denied yeah, a clear yeah. goal scoring opportunity yeah. or denied yeah. a goal scoring opportunity yeah. and did it. And I think, yes, it did with both Zaha, who's going through, but mm-hmm. also I think of Bamiyang, who's going through. Uh, but I think it's interesting that, that you know, they back their mate or they don't, which is why I think a consistent VAR might solve those issues. Yeah. Um, but, you know, it was a bit. A bit odd that they happened on the same day in the same game. Let's get to um, Tartan Simeone's massive <laughs> uh, who beat Villa by four goals to one. Tim, make sure you edit all this out. You're noting this down, right? Because we've gone swear heaven today because we don't give a f- um, But <laughs> there's two. <laughs> Can you not say Tartan? Yeah, that's got to go as well. That's got to uh-huh. go. It's all got to go. Um, two red cards should have been given as far as I'm concerned in a, in a five second spell. Firstly, the one that I think was given nothing, Courtney Hawes forearm smashed Pablo Fornells in the face at mm. full pace and nothing happened. Mm. And it staggers me when we talk about um, brutality in a challenge, we talk about endangering uh, an opponent, we talk about all of that, and we've seen them given for lunging near somebody. This could have broken his cheekbone. This could have broken his nose. This could have broken his jaw. It was a horrendous, horrendous tackle and nothing happened from it. Hmm. And well, firstly, can you tell me why that wasn't given as a red? <laughs> no, I can't. Okay, fine. <laughs> I go to you because you know the refs. They don't yeah. talk to me anymore. No, I'm the arbitrator and the justification of, yes. of bad refereeing. Got it. Understood. You're, this is your role now on the podcast. <laughs> A few seconds later, uh, ball is knocked into Jared Bowen. Mm. He goes through, and Esri Conscious given a yellow. It upgrades to a red. Now, I yeah. think that's a clear red. I think that he, he's, he's about to take a shot on goal. Now, Dean Smith, the Villa manager, was like, he's not running on goal. He's about to knock the ball into his own path and take a shot. Do you see any justification for that being a yellow card, the way Dean Smith and other than Gary Lineker said it as yeah. well? You know, yeah. some, some people who, whose opinions are worth respecting, the Villa manager and, and Gary Lineker, and they think it's not. I think it's clear. What do you think? Yeah, I, I think it, it. when you're up 2-0, I assume that the ref, referee, when the opponent... Oh, sorry. Let me figure this out. When Aston Villa is down 2-0 and a challenge like this happens, I think what what Dean Smith is asking for is a little bit of leniency because the moment that you decide to go to upgrading it to a red, you go back pocket. Inevitably you're, you're, you've killed the game. Game's done, done and dusted. And you still, what had like, it was only five minutes. I think it was six minutes in the second half. So you've, you, you've theoretically killed the game. There's no way back for Aston Villa. So I can understand the process in which one would argue it, but you're right. The touch to set himself up, He's been clattered. Yeah, it, it, it's a red. I, I agree with the call. I understand yeah. why it was upgraded. So I think they got some calls right this weekend, some big ones as well. I think yeah. the, the Laporte one was the right decision. I think the, the, the concert one was right. You can actually send them both off as well because we looked into this because I thought maybe there was an issue where because a decision has been given after that point, whether they could go back and look at it. But because he gave nothing, the referee, for the, the, the forearm smash, they could have gone back, reviewed it, looked at it, and sent him off. Do you think the first red doesn't happen because the second one is happening? Is that why they dismissed mm. it? Because they then advise? Because I can't see any other scenario apart from yeah. we can't send both centre-offs off here, can we? Yeah, so uh, uh, I, this is where I will say that I have had a conversation about this with referees to try to understand and get some clarity. 
they are absolutely allowed if there are two red card worthy fouls and or challenges in the same play in the buildup because it's still the offensive phase of play. So they can go back to wherever the ball's turned over when uh, West Ham retains possession and starts. And anything, anything that endangers the safety of the opponent can be shown red. So again, I thought it, it, it teetered on the line of, of a red. But again, just like I made the argument, like, could it have been a yellow? Did, did it have to be red? Laws of the game, yes. Leniency, maybe before VAR, only just the yellow. If yeah. that, if that. Uh, but again, it, w- there's still a gray area, man. I hate saying this every single week, but th- we, we still find ourselves kind of operating in this. I can see why it would be. I can see why it wouldn't be. And yeah. this is kind of the complications of VAR because it was, everything was clear and obvious, clear and obvious, clear and obvious. But it's all kind of suggestion-based as well. Yeah, I mean, there are rules and there are people interpreting the rules and that is why there are judges and juries and that sort of thing. Uh, Right, let's move on. We should just touch on briefly the fact that there were some incredible games this weekend and incredible performances. Uh, Danny Palace won at Man City. Mm. What? What what, what happened? Wilfred Zaha was all up in Man City. And by the way, did you... I I love Gabby Jesus who's trying to get underneath his skin. Bernardo Silva was kicking him up and down the field. And Wilf... Wilf was when Wilf is on. See, it's games like this against City where everybody starts saying, like, Wilfred Zaha in January, Wilfred Zaha in the summer. He's yeah. got to be worth 80 million because it's these these types of games where he shows up and you're like, he's got it. Like, yeah. he, no, no, I know it's consistency and I know there needs to be more goals, but like, he's special. He's the same Wilfred Zaha as he, as he was broken through, breaking through before he even got the Man United. You know, oh, uh, I knew you'd make it Man United. I knew you'd no, do it. No, because he, 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 he got to a big club, and it didn't work out at the time. And, and yeah. there's, you know, Long being naive ago, and young and, and, you know, still trying to figure out who he is. And as you've talked about last year with Jesse Lingard leaving Manchester and going to West Ham, going down to London, get away from your mm-hmm. mates, get away from your family, how there's just that extreme singular focus about the game, and it's not about your crew, the people that are yeah. around you, the people that want your time. So for Wilf, I, I just... I've, I always like the way he plays. Now, I think he, he chirps. I think he tries to wind up the opponent. Mm-hmm. I think he, he, talks, he talks some good-ish. But you could tell that his game, whether it was Ruben Diaz or it was Bernardo, and then Gabby, Gabby Jesus was all, trying to kick him all over the place. Yeah, and yeah. Timmy Toughnuts and chest-to-chest. And I, I loved it. I loved yes. it. But, yeah, that, that's a big one for... Patrick Vieira, because he was, what, one kick of the ball away from taking three points at Arsenal last weekend. I think he's on to something. I, I really do think I – don't, I don't think they're going to be in Europe, but I think he's going he's gonna to solidify this group. And, and little by little, I think they're going to they're gonna have some great results. Uh, I was texting Palace first-team coach Sean Derry after the game on the coach back down to say, like, congratulations, whatever. Uh, and, he, and he had to – you know, we were talking about something else. And I just said to him, you know the rules, though, don't you? Um, if you beat Man City, you're now lineal champions. Uh, and I'm reliably informed that uh, that spread like wildfire on the bus. And then they're lineal <laughs> champions of the Premier League. Uh, Palace. That's how it works. Um, also, Conor Gallagher, got to mention, amazing, amazing yeah. performance from him again. Uh, they're doing hey, by the way, good. He had Grealish. He had Grealish wound like yeah. a top when he clattered into him from behind. It was, like a, it was a battle of hair but products. You know what? He's, he's a great example here of how <laughs> it was a very slippery challenge. <laughs> but it's a battle here of a bunch of players now who are becoming 
they keep calling midfielders throwbacks, right? Mm. So Conor Gallagher and yeah. uh, Declan Rice is an obvious example, but there's a yeah. few in the Calvin league Phillips. now, and it's yeah. Calvin Phillips, uh, Loftus-Cheek as well, you know, recently. And they're talking about it. They're throwbacks. No, it's called midfield. Midfield was meant to be up and down. You do they both jobs. Yeah. We got defensive midfielders because too many offensive midfielders yeah. couldn't do the work. Yeah. Midfield's meant to be midfield. Be Vieira and Keane. We do this, Tom. We, we do this. It's like a fashionable thing. I can remember we had this thing on, on, on at Sirius when every time we would go to the coaches convention, like in January or whenever it was, <clears throat> there'd be this thing where because it was the MLS draft, all the coaches would be at the bar the night before. And all of a sudden yeah. they'd be like, oh, I'm looking for a pivot six or <laughs> I want a fancy left number seven. Is that like a, a Jack service. and Coke? <laughs> I'm tell- it, it was unbelievable. Like we're looking for an off-the-shoulder striker. Like all of a sudden, like somebody says something, it's like oh, ding, 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 ding. I must use that in the press. I'd like a prototypical number four. Like what? What are you talking about? <laughs> so now, yeah, yeah. It, it's it's sort of the way it's sort of gone. But so I love the fact that midfielders and midfielders again. Yeah. Uh, let's briefly touch on uh, Brighton. You know, in oh. other words, this is the big story of the week. And oh, we spoke Timmy. about how good Brighton oh. are previously. Oh, Timmy. Um, they've, draw, they've drawn at Liverpool and they should have won it as well. They were fantastic. They and I mean, some of the performances, Bissouma, Mwepu, Trossard. Yeah. You know, I mentioned last week, if Robert Sanchez didn't throw the ball in his own net, basically, for the <laughs> yeah. first one, yeah. Yeah. they'd have run Man City close. Yeah. He nearly done it again, trying to play central midfield on his goal line, which yeah. would have been 3-0 unless it was quite rightly disallowed. But, you know, they Timmy Tough Nuts. Timmy. Timmy tough nutted up yep. and got, got the point. By, by the way, so a couple things. Number one, when does Grant Potter start being announced into the elite category of English managers that deserve a top six job? Uh, if he finishes in the top six with Bryson, that's yeah. what he does. That's pretty, well, do. and then right now. got to do something good. special is what you got to do. And, and right now in a pretty good position, we'll see yeah. if he falls away. But uh, as I said last weekend, I enjoy watching them. I think they're fun. Tim Horsey does not. By the way, Liverpool fans. I, you guys are extraordinary on Twitter. Mm. When you guys are winning, Liverpool fans are untouchable. Yeah. Every player is the best player that ever played for the club. Legendary status. The future is incredible. Everything's right. The moment that something goes wrong, Jordan Henderson should never play for the club again. <laughs> he is terrible. It's are they like that? I don't know. Do Maybe you you're not- just following the worst fans. I, I, I'm not saying too much of that. So it, it at Anfield, I assume the loyalty is different than Twitter yeah. and the tweet deck. But Tim Horsey, we talked about it beforehand. He can co-sign. Just give me a nod of the head. Everybody, all of a sudden, Jordan Henderson is <laughs> No, he's got a great goal. He, no, right? I don't. I don't. It, Look, Liver- he the Liverpool doesn't game. have the legs in him anymore. What happened is that Liverpool blew Brighton away for 30 minutes, didn't get the third goal, and Brighton are a good team and played better in the second half. And when you've mm-hmm. got, I mentioned some players earlier on, but I can add to that in Adam Lallana, who was great. Tarek Lamptey coming back, who is incredibly skillful. Like Chelsea are turning out right backs, like Fords in Dagnum turned out Ford Escorts in the 60s. <laughs> Like every week, there's another incredible right back turning up through Chelsea Lamptey and Reese James and Livramento. Every team needs to have a former Chelsea right back to dominate. And he looked amazing and they were worthy of their point. And sometimes, you know, speaking to that specific group of awful fans you're referring to, 
Sometimes your team don't win. The other team are good. That's the game. Um, finally, as we round up some of these games, before we get to two other stories that we want to cover, the Amers. We've got to touch the Amers because, I mean, I know I'm doing this every week now, but I've got to say I genuinely feel gobsmacked by how good they are. Like, it's yeah. gobsmacking how good they are. And they conceded a goal in this game and still then went on to crush yeah. Aston yeah. Villa, who are <laughs> on par clubs in a lot of ways over the last 10, 15 years. Um, and they crushed them by four goals to one. The movement at the front four, the the the, the relationship of the midfield two of Socek and Declan, uh, Zuma and Obonis, even Fabianski, who I thought was finished, he's putting off reaction saves. <laughs> and I'd have been Fabianski off two years ago, but I yeah. wouldn't have rehired Moyes. I don't know. Yeah. Um, but like they, it's staggering. They were staggeringly good. And 4-1 didn't flatter them again. And Liverpool <laughs> next week. Look, they'll probably lose to Liverpool, but that's going to be some game next week, isn't it? What Listen, should me and Horsey do? They, should they, Horsey and I do some chilli or something? Yeah, what are you going to do? Some raspberry syrup? Okay, I'll do double cream. You do single cream. <laughs> yeah, I think that's fair. So here's the best part. I don't know if you're going to be unbearable or I don't know if I'm somehow going to be rooting for you because you have you you have so much positivity right now I know. with regards to your Twitter and West Ham. It is extraordinary. The smile, the Cheshire cat smile on your face. Like, I don't want to, I don't want to bend that. Like everyone mm. was, t- everyone was texting me in midweek or tweeting at me. Oh, Rennie's going to be unbearable. I don't after, think I am unbearable after when the we Man win. City. You can be. I think I'm unbearable when we lose. You, that you make, that's unbearable. <laughs> you can, you, yeah, yeah, I don't know, Tim. I don't know. I, I, come on. Come on, guys. <laughs> Anyways, on. I'm excited for you. I am, but they I am, were good, weren't they? I mean, another they, incredible performance. The 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 manner in which this team continues to chug along. I'm waiting for a couple steps back, and and they continue to kind of inch forward. I don't know where they end up at the end of the season, because my concern for this group is the management of player load, because of the amount of games that you know when you're playing weekend to weekend and you're just dealing with the cups that's fine but then when you're dealing with europe it's, it takes yeah. on a different animal but that if they travel, win on thursday they've won the europa league group and don't need to play in europe again until late february which yep. is an incredible it, it really is. thing to happen it, it, it is and 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 still you think about the complications of what the winter looks like in the schedule and we're going to end yeah. up talking about it these teams how are you going to play four games in essentially nine ten days and look at the schedule and what's you know Jurgen Klopp's going to complain about an afternoon kickoff with BT Sport and he's going to be it's your fault look at we just beat Watford five nil it's going to be your fault how could you make us play right now bad Klopp impression but I was that like your club was there was no, that meant not really to be your club not really no he'd go It'd be like Roy Kent, except as a manager, which oddly looks weird without having his glasses on because I'm used to watching him with his glasses on. Even he Mm. said it was weird weird. without his glasses on. Uh, You know, like some people just have those glasses face and Jurgen Klopp has a glasses face. Look at that. How weird is that? Look at those tiny eyes. Look at those bags (laughs) under my eyes. How weird is that? (laughs) Narrator, Tom Rennie just took his glasses off. Weird, isn't it? It's so weird. Who is this guy? I have not met him. Hi, I'm Dunny. Tim Ronnie, pleasure to see you. <laughs> um, but in summation, you tried to make it about Jurgen Klopp, but I refuse to allow that to happen. Uh, this is what this is the thing about West Ham this season. It's the thing about um, you know Brighton earlier in the season as well. It annoys me a lot. We spoke about Wilfred Zahar earlier, and look, it's been going on for a long time. But it's always that that player is so good, that team is so good, they could play for someone else. Yeah, yeah and yeah, it's like yeah. they stop doing it. Like Leicester won the league; those players are so good that won the league, they could play for Chelsea. Mm. And it's like, no, 
No, that's not how football's meant to be. It's meant to be a team gets built and they have a run at it for a couple of years and you try and keep that kind of ethereal thing together and try and win things. And instead, football's become, oh, we're not very good. Why don't we have your manager and five best players? Uh, and then it all goes wrong anyway because you keep Ole Gunnar Solskjaer in charge. See, we can all make it about Man United. <laughs> can we talk about Man United finally? Can we do it? You've do avoided it, it for me. 50 minutes. Hit me. Oh, by the way, can we start with the goal? That oh, yeah. slow motion, goal line vision of ball inches over Ben Davies and Cristiano smashing far post. Listen, team showed up. Here's my problem, and here's my concern. I'm going to end up with Brendan Rodgers, aren't I? I'm There's no one left. Up, no, he'll, gonna... he'll have got another job. He'll be at the Arsenal job in five years' time. It's, and you still wouldn't. You still have Solskjaer. It's unbelievable. Ole Gunnar Solskjaer is an absolute genius. He has, he is, he's like, oh, yeah, I've had three or four different times where it's been a disaster. Well, yeah, because we could have had Thomas Tuchel. Yeah. We we could have had Antonio Conte. That's insane. That was Klopp there as well. You could have had him. Could have had Klopp. And Klopp said no. Uh, it, it is How did he say no? What, what did he sound like? <laughs> I'm not going to take it. I'm not going to do it. I don't like it. That does was Jürgen, Southern Klopp. Does, does Jurgen Klopp come from Texas? What are you talking <laughs> that was, about? That was, that was Jurgen Klopp with the C. <laughs> Even Tim <laughs> had to look away. Uh, but it's extraordinary, this guy. By the way, he couldn't have stolen uh, Antonio Conte's line. I know Rafael Varane comes back, but he goes to three in the back yeah. in the game that he has to win after continuously showing us his refusal to adjust anything, the definition of insanity, like for like substitutions week in, week out. And yeah. all of a sudden we go to three in the back and, and we look defensively sound. We look up for it. At times we were playing five cause we were just trying to keep the game in front of us. And by the way, I, I nobody should ever throw shade on Edinson Cavani. That dude is a mass murderer when it comes to, the art of dark, you know, dark arts and continuously putting himself in incredibly dangerous goal scoring attacks. Yeah. I, now here's my concern as United fan, as many other United fans, we're stuck with Cristiano. He's not going anywhere. This idea of Erling Holland's never going to happen because Cristiano yeah. has a two year deal. So for Cavani and Cristiano up top and bringing Rashford off the bench, whoo, it looked yeah. good. It looked good, but they but basically went into a game like Watford go into big games like that, and they went seven at the back, and they put three up front, and they hoped to get a point. Nothing wrong with that. First goal was always going to win El Sakiko. Yeah. Um, Higgin, Higginbotham and, they and I did. were both I mean, saying three in the back. It is, yeah. it is, as long as Rafael Varane's you have, you have healthy, to. Everyone does three it. in the back. Everyone you does know. it when they're struggling, and they're right to do it. When you can no, see no. a whole bunch of goals, you go five at the back, you go two defensive midfielders, and you hope but, someone up front does something for but you. That's how, and luckily, that's how, and you've got Ronaldo... He, and he scored one of the great goals of the season, yeah. a truly yeah. memorable, like Ronaldo level goal. And that's what won this game. And then Tottenham just disintegrated pathetically. Um, but, you know, again, let's not go mad here. They went uber Mourinho defensive. Uh, it's another team that sacked Mourinho for absolutely no reason but, if they're going to do Mourinho tactics. Oh, come on. Mourinho was a disaster at United at the end. Yeah, but you, um, you, did, you won the game but, doing the Mourinho Conte, tactic. And you won nothing since. But, but see, here's changed. the crazy part. If Conte would have had that team, that's what the lineup would have looked like. Yeah, and they would have won in the same way. Yeah. So now we'll watch Spurs do it with three in the back. Eric Dyer, big head.
I know we've done loads this week, but I do actually want to mention this to you because I brought this up on Grumpy Pundits on Friday and Roddy didn't go for it. And it really annoyed me because I thought this was great, this. <laughs> um, UEFA this week put out a, um, a picture with accompanying article of Europe's halftime treats. So what the football fan in Europe eats at halftime. And I wanted to get your view on this as an American soccer fan. You've been around the country as well. And I didn't know this, right? So firstly, we'll get the UK out the way. The UK halftime snack is the pie. So England, yeah, Scotland, Wales, yeah. Northern Ireland is the pie. Though the Republic of Ireland are furious. They say, ain't no pies here. Uh, and it's all become a big diplomatic row. Thanks, UEFA. <laughs> Last thing we need now is another trade war in Ireland over pies. Yeah. Um, Mainland Europe, hot meat sandwiches, for example, in Austria, the schnitzel, the schnitzel in a bun. Um, but if you go east, so this is like Azerbaijan, Belarus, um, Bulgaria, uh, Russia, at half time, they eat seeds. Huh. Okay. Pumpkin seeds and sunflower seeds. Yeah. In Bosnia, for example, salted grapes and pumpkin seeds. Um, in Estonia, uh, seeds and sausage together. What? Uh, but Finland, you're in sausage territory, so don't go that far over. Macedonia, sunflower and pumpkin seeds. And apparently, in some countries, I think it's Greece this, they eat seeds with such regularity and ferocity, they got banned in stadiums because they were causing accidents because people were slipping on the shelves yeah, of yeah. the seeds. Yeah. Did yeah. you know this? Are you not astonished no, by this? No, Is this so just me? So in baseball, Major League Baseball here in the States, seeds are a regular occurrence. Sunflower are seeds. They? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. But you, you like, listen, I got a problem with people uh, with sunflower seeds because you have to have a cup. So when we went camping the other day, uh, a couple weeks ago, my, boy, my wife and my boys came back with seeds. I was like, awesome. Where's the cup? I'm like, what do you mean? Where's the cup? I was like, you got to have a spit cup. Everyone's got to have a spit cup. If you have seeds, when you're popping them and you're spitting them out, you got to get the shells, spit in the cup. That's it. So you you have you you have a roadie you have a spit cup and that so gets you have the two cups out. one cup of no, seeds no, no, and one so empty cup no so it's a bag it's like a, a share bag like you can and they have different flavors like you could have barbecue you could have sour you could have salt you could I mean there you could have like blue cheese we do this thing in America where we flavorize everything so it's not just regular sunflower what seeds. what's a word yeah thanks it's right here Anjali that was amazing Cal State Fullerton um the here states hot dogs. Hot dogs, hot dogs and beer. Yeah. Like, I know you can get a little bit of everything, but when when, when it's at, Tim, am I right, right? You, you, you always go get, like, a hot dog and a beer. Like, I know they give something else, but that's kind of, like, the American version of whatever S halftime would be. Some of these foods, though, go, go at UEFA.com and look at this. I was amazed by this. Like, Russia, sunflower seeds, pistachios, other nuts, hmm. hot dogs on the rise, it said, family show. Um, San Marino, they have a local speciality called Piadana which is a thin flatbread stuffed with cheese and other things like salami, ham, or vegetables. Like, you go half-time to pizza? a kiosk, and they give you a flatbread with stuff in it. If you Isn't have flatbread like in England... Tim? That's a slice, No, it's like, right? a, it's like a, so a, a, a large flat piece of bread, but then yeah. you wrap the stuff up in it like a kebab, almost. Oh, okay. What, uh, what, what would we call that, Tim? What? You'd call it a piadana. Oh, like a it. pita. Like a pita. Okay. Yes. Yeah, that's a good yeah. shot. Like a pita. But I, just, I was amazed by it. No one else seemed to care that in Turkey, you get a kofte ekmek, which is a meatball sandwich. Have oh, a meatball sandwich good. at half time. That's How would you really deal with good. a meatball sandwich in your hand? You'd be covered in marinara. 
Yeah. Well, I guess it depends on the topping that you're that it's coming in. Napkins. Yes. Yeah. Yes. T-shirts. But then in the second half, the entire crowd would have like a big white napkin down the front of their it's turkey, so giant coats yeah. covered in marinara sauce. What? What's? Uh, yeah. It, it blew my mind. It's mate. a mess. It blew my mind. It's a mess. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's a mess. Uh, by the way, Wednesday I get to go watch a game for the very first time. Real what? Salt Lake's playing Portland, but ESPN broadcast picked it up because it's like one of the games to watch yeah. for the last two games of the season. So I'm actually going to be in the stadium with my kids for the very first time all season. I'll actually oh. get to sit in the stadium and watch a game. Amazing. And what are you going to yeah. have at halftime? Probably a hot dog and a beer. That's a bit. I, mean, I thought you might have had some seeds or something <laughs> just to round off this piece. That wasn't really the line I was looking for. We'll do that again. What are you going to have at halftime? Uh, f- sunflower seeds. Question. Seeds with the seed of your loins. What a lovely moment that's going to be. Straight out of your real salt lake. Well, that was this week's episode. Maybe hungry for seeds. What are your favorite seeds? Let us know. to at SiriusXMFC. Um, next week, we, we might be slightly delayed in releasing our program, but make sure you subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Pandora, wherever you get your podcasts. You'll get it immediately while we late because it's decision day in MLS and therefore uh, Dunny has got like some work. And so, you know what? We're going to let him do that and then come back to us when he feels ready. Plus, West Ham will be in Liverpool and Tim will need at least another 24 hours to cry his eyes out. Um, we're available on the SXM app as well as the aforementioned podcast providers. Uh, the SXM app is where you find it. It is free. If you subscribe to Sirius XM, just tap podcast and you will find us. Leave a solid review, five-star rating, whatever, in any of those places. And there's video clips and stuff on Twitter and Instagram. I mentioned it earlier. Do you remember? No, it's at Sirius XM FC. Week in the Tackle is part of the SiriusXM podcast network and is produced by Tim Horsey. The executive producer is Pete Corey. Sound design was by Joey DeFazio. Andy King is the director of sports podcasting for SiriusXM. Special thanks to SiriusXM senior vice president of sports programming and podcasting, Steve Cohen, and SiriusXM FC's program director, Joe Tolleson. SiriusXM Podcasts. <laughs>